This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. With me in the studio is Zach Ringelstein, Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate. We're starting. Are we starting? Okay. I think we're starting and we're going to have to share a microphone. Okay. I apologize. Sounds good, Cynthia. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm glad to be here. So I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to just kind of run through your resume just to get it out of the way. So you grew up in Moultonboro, New Hampshire, correct? That's correct, yep. And then you went to Columbia University? That's right. And what did you get your degree in? History and human rights. Okay. And then um, you went to um, the universe, uh, State University of Arizona and got your master's in education? Yeah, I, I decided after uh, my Columbia experience learning history that ultimately I wanted to be more like my dad than anyone else. My dad was a social worker and I grew up in a very service-oriented family. I have two brothers who went to the United States Naval Academy. One fought in the Iraq War. Uh, the other is a naval helicopter pilot, flies off of uh, aircraft carriers and an MH-60 Sierra Seahawk and I decided I wanted to be like my family and be service oriented, so I decided to go and teach. And what did your um, What did your mother do when you were growing up? My mother taught birthing classes and then some, worked some night shifts at restaurants to get food on the table. Does that explain why you were born on the floor of your kitchen? It certainly does. Well, Cynthia. that's interesting. Okay, and after you um, graduated um, with your master's degree, you went into teaching and went. Um, and participated in the Teach for America program? So I was doing that concurrently. So I was taking night classes uh, while I was teaching. So I was a 21-year-old public school teacher, and I actually got my certification as I was taking my master's degree. I was wondering about that. So in order to do Teach for America, do you have to have a a teaching certificate? It really depends on the state. Okay. But in Arizona, we had to be in the process of completing our certificate, our, our master's degree program, in order to be fully qualified. Okay, and was it during Teach for America that you met Leah? It is. Now, does Leah have a degree in art? She She's an artist, actually. Obviously, yeah. her illustration of your video is very oh, impressive. Yeah, she's an artist. She, she was raised in Rangeley, Maine. There's an amazing art community there, if you've ever been there. And they have an amazing art teacher, Sonia, who's still the art teacher there who brings a lot of color to that community. But but Leah and I uh, met out there, and she actually has a degree in uh, special education. You met in Arizona? We did, and we saw something very similar in each other immediately. We became best of friends, actually, at first. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations, and I would encourage anyone who hasn't yet seen your video to um, watch it, if only for Leah's really good illustrations. That's I think it. that's very, very uh, that's a, it. a nice thing. And after Teach for America, then you um, ventured out, literally, um, to uh, raise a million dollars in venture venture capital and created an education software company? Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that, but we, we actually were doing these programs connecting classrooms. We started connecting a classroom in Maine to a classroom in Tanzania, and we did that without uh, going online, without using technology, and then... And it was just through snail mail. And then we decided to start using technology and we brought it online. And suddenly we were starting to connect classrooms by the spring of 2012. And we ended up bringing the the company out to California and raising some capital. And uh, it it was in over 5,000 schools. I was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. I got to work with Gabby Giffords on the first anniversary lesson for Sandy Hook. And Okay, slow down. Mm. 
I know all that because oh. I've done a lot of research. Oh, so great, I'm happy great. to hear about that. But yeah. I want to ask a few questions before you get too far ahead of me. Sure. Um, the co-founder of your company um, was Leah or was another person? Yeah, Leah is uh, was the uh, we we started the company together in the spring of 2012, and then we joined up with two other co-founders in 2013. Okay, so when you were doing the communication correspondence between the students in Tanzania, is was it in Tanz? Where was? Yeah, where Tanzania. Was Tanzania. Is, excuse me. Um, uh, were you? That's when you were teaching there. Yes. Uh, yes, I was teaching there. Yes. Okay. What was it like to um, create a company that developed so much to attract a million dollars in venture capital? Oh, just waking up every day and being okay with 99 no's and realizing that, you know, as we, uh, first of all, it had to have something special to it. And we were looking at the market and doing it at the right time, which was the time when internet was becoming universal in classrooms and when kids were getting more and more devices in their classrooms. And so we were there at the right time. We were doing something that was actually anti the standardized testing movement, which was very attractive to many teachers at that time. We were doing something called crowdsourcing. So we were smart about finding a problem in education and then solving that problem. But then on top of that, as I mentioned before, we were scrappy. We woke up every day and we, even though we weren't invited to things, we would ask for forgiveness later, and suddenly we were able to uh, start to uh, grow, grow our user base, had really good traction and good user engagement, and we had this amazing teacher board, uh, which was really amazing. It's something Leah actually ran, and it was, we refused to give it up no matter who uh, would, would talk with us, uh, you know, investor, advisor, otherwise, and it was basically a board of teachers who would advise the product and would advise our lesson plans and would sort through our lesson plans and evaluate them, et cetera. And that teacher board stayed with us till the end because we've always believed that it's the people who are living with the problems every day that understand the problems and should be talking about the problems and developing the solutions. So how do you find um, when you're an entrepreneur and you have a good idea and you think people are interested in investing in it and you want to raise venture capital there's the crowdsourcing ways to do it online which is you know I know very popular but in terms of like landing the big check is is there an agency type of a relationship that you have with somebody who like says hey Zach and Leah um, you know if you give me a small percentage or if you pay me by the hour I'll introduce you to venture capitalists is that how it works is it kind of mm. or do you go through you do your own research online. How do you find the yeah. venture capitalists? So in the beginning, we literally did an Indiegogo campaign, which is okay. a crowdsourcing campaign. Mm -hmm. We raised money from friends and family. And so the beginning... How much did you raise on Indiegogo? Do you remember? Roughly. I think it was just over $10,000. Okay. And you can imagine at the time, Leah was literally... Uh, she plays the ma main maritime fiddle, and she was literally... We still... We, we were in... Uh, New York for a portion of this for a few months and Leah literally would go to Central Park and she would fiddle for change so that we could pay for our laundry and what I mean by that is that we literally had to go on forbearance because we had so much college debt and we were truly living on scraps. My mom gave me a CVS gift card for my, <laughs> it's a long story but for my birthday and I literally used that to buy 
what you can buy for groceries in CVS for, I remember that month of August very well. Well, it's a good thing CVS has such a comprehensive selection of snacks and beverages um, that you could live on chips, uh, soda, <laughs> uh, not, ver- not very healthy. Yeah, no, not very healthy. So you um, were successful. You um, got the capital that you needed and were able to sell the company. That's correct. And. Um, as a result of selling the company, were you able to pay off your student loans? I was. I was able to pay off all of our student debt, which is uh, something that most Americans just don't have the opportunity to do. Now, some of the reporting on the sale of your company said that there was, um, we'll get to, there was a dispute, a lawsuit that we can talk about, but um, it, it looked like you, you, as part of the sale, got a position and some stock and the, and some money. Can you disclose how much money you got from selling your company? Uh, that That's not something uh, we're entitled to uh, report on. Okay. Have you, uh, tax returns always come up in elections, or at least they do sometimes. Have you already produced your tax returns? Yes, for I that? have. So on the tax returns, if somebody looks, can they see what money you might have made off of your company or not they, really? They can see what, what we're supposed to report and we've reported everything fully and accurately to the letter of the law. So congratulations on, it sounds to me, like um, at least for that chapter of your life, you achieved the American dream, you and your wife, right? You went from rags to riches. Um, you had an idea, you were able to capitalize on it and make a lot of money, or at least make enough money to pay off what you have described as a lot of student loans, so that's great. Thank you. Um, so that is, um, one of the reasons why I think it's interesting that you are now a democratic socialist, um, because it seems like you personally have benefited, at least to a certain extent, from the capitalist system that we have. So tell me about that. What, what was the bridge from being a successful entrepreneur and you know achieving the American dream to now denouncing, to a certain extent, the capitalist system? So I want to be very clear, the ideals uh, that I believe in and the way that I see the world uh, becoming a better place have always been the same. And you can tell the story however you want, Cynthia, but the way that my story looks is that I grew up working class, that my dad was a social worker, and he was literally a, a union guy who... Uh, you know and I benefited because of the union and because of the wages that he was able to earn and the health insurance that he was able to get and I'm the lucky I'm the lucky kid who got to live in a small community with a great public school benefited from the teachers who were paid pretty well in my district and were able to give me uh, great opportunities and uh, I have you know been the beneficiary of a, my family has been the beneficiary of a country that has invested in its own people at times. And I think that unfortunately that dream is falling by the wayside because our country is moving farther and farther towards the corporate and farther and farther to the right, as opposed to investing in people. We're investing in uh, a war budget, quite frankly, that doesn't take care of its own through people through Medicare for all. Unions are being decimated. and. There is very, uh, there's very little chance that people in my generation, and, and particularly people younger than me, are going to have any opportunity with the, the cost of college, with little health care, and with the unbelievable amount of debt that people are in because there aren't high-wage jobs. And there are, are slowly, uh, you know, uh, increasingly less union jobs. 
So you left the, um, you, you sold the company successfully, as we've already discussed, and um, there, you had a job there for a while. There was a dispute, and you filed a lawsuit against the company that appears, at least from the public records, has since settled. That's correct. Can you tell me um, what happened as a result of the lawsuit? I cannot. Okay. Um, I understand that. I was just curious. Um, has that lawsuit impacted your view on the world or on the justice system absolutely it shows me that multinational corporations with a lot of money who can pay high-powered attorneys are able to win and are able to rig the system for their benefit at the expense of the working person so why did you want to sell your company then and and go public so i i was a public school teacher for uh, five years and my wife and I, after our fourth year of teaching, we were able to come up with an idea. And uh, the way that we got investment was through impact investors. We were part of a community of people who were trying to benefit society uh, through corporations. And, I, and I've never been someone to say that for-profit businesses are bad. I think there are a lot of small mom and pop uh, you know, businesses. Our, our company had, I think the most we ever had was 10 or 11 employees. Uh, full-time employees, and then we had some part-time employees. But, but the, the point of the matter is that we, you know, as, as somebody who identifies as a democratic socialist, I believe that we need to make sure that workers have a say. And I'm very proud that we always had good insurance for our employees. On our campaign, we have insurance for our employees. And it's something that I believe in, that, that at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're, what I'm talking about is not too far off from the vision of FDR or too far off from what post-World War II America actually looked like. It's just that it uses a word that people are uncomfortable with, which is that S word in democratic socialism. Well, democratic socialism is certainly um in the news now a little bit more, of course, because of the win in New York in the congressional district that's gotten a lot of attention. Alexandria Ortez, what, Cortez, or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is the candidate who won the de um, Democratic primary in New York. There's been some losses as well. What a lot of people don't understand, including myself, is exactly what it means to be a democratic socialist and. It seems like the research suggests that, I mean, the, it's not a party, it's a nonprofit. It's a it's a 401c4, I guess, organization, which is kind of interesting just that it gets its designation from the IRS, which, I don't know, in, in my mind it's kind of funny because it's anti-establishment. Um, but my question is, so it seems like some of the things that democratic socialists believe in um, are things we can all get our arms around, like you know, health care for everyone. But some of the things are a little bit radical. Like, for instance, do you believe that um, the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency, ICE, should be um, abolished? Yes, and I've said that several times. As you know, I went down to the border to try to deliver toys, books, and supplies to the children there and got arrested in the process because, and, and I've worked in immigrant communities for the majority of my career as a public school teacher, and I've seen the way that truly ICE has become an authoritarian organization that doesn't belong in this country. And it's not being used to promote freedom or justice for all people, and so I'm against it. And when it comes to what democratic socialism is, it's about believing that everyone should have a fair shot at getting a foothold uh, on the American dream. And when about half of your country 
can't afford a $400 emergency, one in five children are living in poverty, and people down the street are dying literally because they don't have health insurance and won't see a doctor because they don't have the money for it. I think we're not living in the American society that we all would hope to live in. And I'm talking about aspiring for more, actually living in a democratic society where all voices are heard and all people can grow up, I think in many ways, uh, like I did, benefiting from my public schools, benefiting from a good health care plan. Do you think you benefited from um, the sale of your business, though, a little bit I think I'm, I'm using the sale of my business to give back, and I did not yeah. intend so, to for my journey to go this way. My point is not so much, I'm not trying to um, question your credentials as a democratic mm. socialist or, or question your commitment to democratic ideals. What I'm trying to explore is this idea that Democrats can be mm. successful, that they can accumulate wealth or achieve wealth or mm. however you want to describe it and do good with it. Yeah. Um, because I do think that there's a large um, segment of the party that sometimes feels that Democrats are anti um wealth creation <laughs> and, well, I and I, the stereotype I think that is is false but there is a stereotype that Democrats want to rely on government as opposed to relying on mm -hmm. individuals so what what do you quite, say to that quite candidly the you know given the fact that I've, I've accumulated a small amount of wealth in my life I have learned that wealth is not a good thing for society and I've also learned a lot about the way that wealthy people exploit the rest of the population and one of those ways is that we always think of taxes in terms of payroll taxes and I've learned that wealthy people don't pay much tax at all and the reason they don't pay much tax at all is because we always think oh you know the way to tax wealthy people is to top the you know, tax the people who you know are worth more than $100,000 or more than $200,000 um, or who are, who are getting paid that amount uh, per year. But really what we need to be doing is we need to be taxing capital gains because that is the majority of money that is flowing around the economy. Or we need to have a, a, a dividends tax mm -hmm. uh, or we need to increase the dividends tax or we need to have financial uh, transactions taxes or we need to have uh, raise the estate tax. I mean, these are the ways that wealthy people make money. When uh, you know, when you accumulate wealth and you go to a bank, you don't have to pay a monthly fee. It's the reverse of what it should be. It's that at the end of the day, the working class are literally paying the bills so that the wealthy can live in a socialist heaven, and that's gross to me. Well, another thing I think that people don't understand is that wealthy people can borrow money so inexpensively and then invest it and make such a gain. And I think like. I see it just in my own little life that I have the ability to deduct, you know, home mortgage so interest true. So true. and have business expense, you know, deductions and, and enjoy a very low um, borrowing rate. And that all helps so much. I mean, 100%. it helps my family so much when I hear about the interest rates that some of my clients have to pay for a car or um, uh, it's so... Um, it's something that I want to just, I want to double underline. And it's something that I think it sounds like we both agree on, that we all think that inter low interest rates helps everybody. No, it helps the wealthy. Because the wealthy, what they've done in the last decade since the recession is they have said, great, I can go buy multiple properties for nothing and then I get it deducted out of my taxes and then they make profit off of it as the as the stock market and the housing market increases. 
And the reality is that moving money around should not make money. Labor should make money. And I think we live so far away from even a capitalistic society. We live literally in a society where you can, as a wealthy person, sit at home and your financial planner can move money around and you can make exponentially more than the person who's you know, paving the road or who's doing, you know, uh, teaching your children or mending your wound at the hospital. Some, and I think that's a travesty. Some social, um, de socialist Democrats believe that the Senate itself should be abolished because of its uh, unique way of, of allocating representation and that every state, large or small, gets two U.S. senators. Do you believe that the United States Senate should be abolished? I do not. Okay. Well, that's um, probably a good and good I think it, I think it benefits Maine in a big way. And having grown up rural, I think there is a lot to the idea that we have two senators per state. It was part of a great compromise. And I think that the founders were really thinking about rural people and states' rights and in a way that I think is important for us to think about. I also want to say when when we talk about wealth and labor, that we have gotten so far away from what even the original concepts of capitalism are because at the end of the day, what when we talk about capitalism, we're talking about uh, a, a system where you would have a free market. When, for example, the oil and gas industry, are, or let's just talk about the corn industry in the Midwest, Monsanto are as heavily subsidized as they are, we're not even talking about a free market. We're talking about a completely irrational market where the multinationals are getting these subsidies at the expense of the small business owners. So at least if we're going to talk about free market, let's talk about free market. But we don't have anywhere near to a free market. Along the lines of a free market and natural resources, do you agree with um some Democrats that Nestle should not be allowed to extract water from Maine and for virtually nothing and reap billions in, in profit. At a bare minimum, we should be charging by the gallon. And yes, Nestle, a European corporation, which bought Poland Spring in the 90s, is really taking advantage of the people of Maine. and with global warming's effects becoming as real as they are, we are literally standing above uh, probably the thing that's gonna save us the most, which is our water supply. And if we sell all of our rights to our water supply, then the future is very grim for my children and grandchildren. Now, you have um, been, you know, you went to an Ivy League school um, and had a rural upbringing. I'm not discounting your credentials as a middle-class child and your so social worker father, and it sounds like you're very um, admirable family ties. But you have enjoyed success and as, a, sounds like a teacher, as a family man, as a, um, as a businessman. Um, and then you aspire to be a country singer and um, had some success. There was a video that uh, circulated that was kind of fun. Um, what made you stop trying to become a country music star? I find that term, I tried to become a country music star, hysterical, because I spent a summer in Nashville, literally from May until September, and had a blast, put out a video, uh, 
talked talked the talk, walked the walk, had fun, you know, jumped in the lake a bunch, as you saw in the video. Mm -hmm. and, and listen, I would hope for every American that kind of opportunity. And I was uh, having a, a great summer. We, my wife and I built a chicken coop that summer in our backyard. Uh, and we were raising our baby and we were having a ball. Like my, my son, I think was between what, like four months old and eight months old when we were in Nashville, so. Well, there was a quote, I think in a relation to the Forbes, um, you know, 30 under 30, there was a quote that I think it was, a quote of yours saying that you had, you know, had a dream of becoming. Uh, I've always a, been a musician. Always been a musician. I've always wanted to sing. I've lost my voice, as you can hear on the campaign trail, which is very sad. But I, for for me, music is a big part of our lives. Leah and I jam. She's a fiddle player. I play the guitar. We'll play wagon wheel. I literally sing my son to bed every night. I write music. It's part of my creative process, and I I love that part of me. So I guess what I was leading up to is that some, a, a skeptic, for instance, or a cynic might think that, you know, your um, run for U.S. Senate is, um, is, is chasing fame. Do you want to respond to that? I mean, are you ultimately hoping to, to, to maybe go on and have an amazing podcast like some other candidates for oh, U.S. That, Senate. Are you like you, like you <laughs> Cynthia? Are you, cha are you chasing fame? No, that's what I mean. So I, what, I am, what, what, what is it that... I am someone who is bold. Mm -hmm. I've always been justice-oriented since I was in third grade. In third grade, I literally memorized Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, and I said it everywhere that I could, including in nursing homes and in front of... Um, a Clinton surrogate who came to my hometown and in front of my classroom. And I started a mentoring program in high school, tutored in Harlem when I was in college. I was literally devoted my life to public education, if you look at my record. And I have always been someone who has stood well, you, up for wait, my wait, I have to. I'm sorry, but I have to just interject here. So you're 32 years old, right? That's correct. And did you work for a public as a public school teacher for more than four years? Five, five years. Okay. I, I taught. Okay, five years. All right. So. And I and I literally created a, a an organization that became a business that connected classrooms, which was a shove in the face to the standardized testing industry because it was about holistic practices. I gave a TEDx during that time. Was invited to the White House to work on early education policy, and I have been fighting tooth and nail to deprivatize schools and to make sure that the the for-profit charter industry doesn't hit places like Maine. That's literally what I've devoted my life to. And I came back to Maine and I started teaching again. I literally went from you know successful entrepreneur to deciding not to take an executive role and work in a corporation, but follow my heart and passion back to the classroom. And listen, if Trump hadn't been elected, I wouldn't be here. So do you I have a teacher? Running. Do you have a teaching job right now? I do or not. You have the you're campaigning full time. That's correct. So you taught at the Portland Elementary School last year, is that yeah, right? Yeah, Presumpscot. Okay. Yeah, have you been there? Um, let's see. Pres I'm sure I probably have, but I can't picture. It's on Presumpscot Street. It's a it's a school that is in bad shape. Of uh, you know, it, 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 need, it needs to be remodeled. It's an area that I think in in this city needs to um, get way more investment in public education, and it was. A uh, sad reality when I went back to that school to see the way that standardized testing has affected every part of a student's day. It's very sad. Um, just some basic questions that I haven't seen covered in um, in some of the other news stories about you. Do you have a pet? I do not have a pet. 
<laughs> Thank you for asking. I have two children, though. I have a five-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and they take up a lot of time, and having a pet, we just wake up the babies. That's the way we see it. Your first child is named Zion. That's is that correct. named after the park in Utah? It, it's a name that we love. It means where heaven meets the earth. And my wife and I uh, both grew up in the Christian church, and Zion sometimes means God, and in, very, in many different religions is uh, a powerful imagery for uh, spirituality. And uh, it actually is in a Lauren Hill song, To Zion. And she named her first kid Zion. And funny fact is I got to meet her a couple years ago when Leah was pregnant. And we talked to her about it, and she said, you should name your kid Zion, and we felt really good about it. Oh, that's nice. Um, well, speaking of religion, um, have you taken a public stance about women's reproductive health and the abortion issue? Yes. What is that position? I believe women should always have a right to choose. Okay, and does that um, jive with your religious upbringing? Were you brought up in a church that was open to women's reproductive choice, or was that something that you had to go against? I grew up in a United Methodist Church, and and I grew up in a family where it was paramount that we respect women and their right to choose. And I believe that Jesus, uh, the figure of Jesus, is somebody who uh, promotes love and who uh, makes sure that people can uh, live good lives no matter where they come from or what class they grow up in. Do you think Jesus would be a democratic socialist? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I read that in some of the stuff. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, all right. Well, I have a couple of other um, questions that I was curious about after researching your very, very interesting life. Um, so what kind of truck do you drive? I drive a Chevy, American-made, Colorado, to be specific. And did you vote? And by the way, that's my wife's truck. Okay. She's the cool one in the family. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Um, did you vote for Hillary Clinton? Yes, in, yeah, in the fall of 2016, yes. Do you have money invested in the stock market? I do not. That's how seriously I'm taking this campaign. And I really believe that no senator should have any money invested in the stock market. Are you proud to be an American? Very proud. Why? Because this is a country that for a couple of centuries has given hope to millions of people from around the world who have had no hope. And it's given hope to my family. And I'm running right now because I think we're in a crisis and I want future generations of millions of people to be able to come here to live that American dream. Now what specifically, and we'll end soon, but what specifically do you think you would offer the United States Senate that Senator King currently isn't providing in terms of representation for the people of Maine in Washington? Bold leadership for the people who some, I'm someone who is not bought. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, exactly how I feel about every issue. I'm not taking money from pharmaceutical companies like Angus, so I can talk about Medicare for all and actually fight for it. I'm someone who doesn't take money from the energy industry, and so therefore I'm fighting for a Green New Deal. I believe we're literally going over the cliff of climate change, and we need to solve it right now. And he just introduced the gas pipeline bill that fast tracks gas pipelines at the expense of community rights. 
I am somebody who would never deregulate big banks 10 years after the recession. Someone who, instead of adding $82, million to, $82 billion to the military budget, would use money to create a tuition-free public college and university system. And I'm someone who is not going to sit on the fence. I'm going to stand boldly for justice. Justice for, for women. Justice for uh, Black Lives Matter. Justice for our indigenous peoples. Justice for the working class, making sure that the working class actually gets at the table and that we can actually grow wages in this country, not just for the ultra wealthy. Last year alone, 82% of all wealth went to the top 1%. That's criminal, completely criminal. Have you found that inequality and some of the economic issues that you're talking about is what is on people's mind or are they 100%. mostly talking to you about Trump? And I, I think you and I definitely sit on two different you know, sides of the question of what do you think the Democratic Party should be? And my answer is that the Democratic Party needs to be the party of the working class again. And Why do you assume that I have a different opinion? I'm curious. I assume that just based on your commentary in in the uh, in your in your op eds, but I would love you to challenge that uh, personally. I'm happy to to hear that. But for well, me, I have a voting record. That's the I think that's interesting. Is mm. when you're judging people on what they actually stand for as opposed to what they say. Is that there's a voting record, and I would challenge you to point to any vote that I've taken that great. is not if, if you dis progressive. Great. Well, I am, I am glad to hear that. It's not about me, it's about you. I'm so, glad to hear that, but yeah. what I'll say is that I, I worry that the Democratic Party has become the party of the elites and that we're talking a lot about social issues, which I also talk about, but that we're not talking about real working class problems, the things that get people food on the table, that gets people the ability to start a new business, that gets people a healthy lifestyle so that they can go on and live their dreams. We're doing everything it seems like as you know, establishment Democrats and Republicans to keep more for ourselves. And I really think that we as Democrats need to stand shoulder to shoulder, walk in the shoes of everyday Americans who are working their butts off for a living, and actually promote what I believe is democracy. So do you think you, you were able to create a company that paid off all your student loans and gave you a nice life in Tennessee for a year with your baby and your wife and being a country music star. Do you think that you would not want that for other people? Instead, you would prefer that they got free college. Is that, in other I words, are you I would I would not have, I, if I could choose a, a different path where I didn't have $150,000 of debt to pay off, you know, I, I would have, you know, would have loved to have lived in an America where I could have gone to college for free and where I could have continued teaching and been a valued member of society. Teachers are so underpaid. I mean, something that we talk about all the time is creating a federal minimum for teacher salaries. And it's something we're going to introduce in the next few weeks as a specific on that policy. And the reality is that the people who work the hardest in society and don't grow up rich can't, can't survive. And I was able to figure it out with my wife through entrepreneurship, but that shouldn't be the only path do to you paying off your student debt. In terms of education, since you're so passionate about it, um, do you think that uh, the school year should go all year? Or do you think that we should continue with these school breaks? No, I don't think the school year should go all year, although I think there should be opportunities for families who 
are working two or three jobs, which I also think we need to figure out through wage increases, but those who are working two or three jobs so that there are programs in the summer so that there is not the summer slide in learning and where kids can be out, out of doors, collaborating, socializing, learning. Well, Zach Ringelstein, thank you so much for coming to the studio and talking to me about your campaign. If people want to learn more about you, where would they go? Yeah, they would go to ringelsteinformain.com where we have a thriving Facebook page, Zach Ringelstein, and uh, let's, let's unrig the system. Okay, well thank you very much for coming Thanks in so much. and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Cynthia.